Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. I'm Corwin Heller. And we did it, folks. We managed to record on a Sunday for your Monday episode for your your listening pleasure. We we did it. We figured it out what this show is all about. Um, and we're here to do it. It is 930 in the morning on uh, Sunday June 12th here on the East Coast. Uh, we're doing this early because we have plans, but we wanted to make sure we actually did this. Um, and it is the day after is the morning. Uh, that is a morning of morning, I should say, for myself. Uh, it's my New York Rangers. Our New York Rangers uh, have been eliminated from the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, in what is what was really a devastating conclusion to their season. Um, the Rangers had the worst four game stretch I've ever seen them have in these last four games against the lightning as they scored two goals in one game and then one goal in the remaining three after scoring nine combined goals in the first two games and being wildly lifeless, including a stretch of over 200 minutes where they scored, but one even strength five on five goal. Uh, ugly, very, very ugly. It's a young team going up against the twice now defending champs simul- uh, 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 in sequence. So, I mean, the lightning are super duper good. And honestly, if your team is great at the power play and not great at five on five, you're probably not going to win the Stanley Cup because uh, you have to be good at five on five. Mm-hmm. Um, but great goaltending from both sides, which we were expecting. It wasn't doesn't look like that was going to be the case after the first couple of games because of Vasilevsky's rust. But once he shook that off, this was a fucking duel between the uh, the two sides. Uh, and it's also crazy because in the last two games of the set, uh, Igor had only allowed in. Um, I think it was three goals between the two. Yeah, I want to say. No, four goals total, because one of those was an empty net Four goals. Um and man, all four of them were like stupid, brain dead, stupid goals. Like, I can't believe that's what got in stupid goals, mm-hmm. uh, which really just kind of adds insult to injury because you had a, a, a dude looking like a fucking wizard in the net there and then just coughing up the easy ones while making all the tough ones. It was just wild. Um, but man, man, what a way to go down. Uh, I will say as upset I am that the Lightning are going to go for a three-peat and Josh doesn't get to root for his team in the finals, I'm not upset Jacob Truba gets to go home. Boy, he has not uh, done anything to redeem himself over his, these last couple of games. And uh, it's not fun to root against a team for one player, but I feel like I've done it for many teams for many years. So. Devil's advocate, fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he has a lot of favor curried right now with Rangers fans either. No. Um, <clears throat> looking ahead, what do the Rangers look like next year? How are uh, obviously the you know the kid lines getting older, they're getting more experience, but um, who are they losing? Who's oh, sticking around? 
that I'm not really sure of. Uh, honestly, if we're being completely honest here, I do not remember who's at, who's on the end of their contracts with the Rangers this year. So I know that the, a good number of these guys are going to be around next year just by virtue mm. of the fact that their contracts are still uh, viable. But Looking I'll tell you what. at spot track, Ryan Strom, Andrew Kopp. Oh, he's gone. Frank Petrano are all gone. unrestricted free agents. All three Michael of those guys. Kaka is a restricted free agent. Imagine he would be back. Uh, yeah, Tyler Mock. Not back. Then, yeah. Yeah, Ryan Strom needs to get shot into the fucking sun. Also, Gerard Gallant's going to have to answer some tough fucking questions. Because why on fucking earth he decided to scratch Kako for game six and start Strom when Strom has been struggling all series when he's been on ice and has struggled to even be on ice because of his injury and then no shocker literally didn't finish the game because of his injury whereas Kako could have actually played I uh, I mean like I don't know how the fuck you're supposed to justify that I, I mean Ryan Strom in his five games had a total Time on ice of uh, 73 minutes. Capo Caco had been on ice only 54 minutes. But in that, Caco at least put together two points this series, whereas Strom didn't collect a single fucking one. Not a one. Yeah, nothing. He was on the ice for 50% more time than Caco was and had nothing to show for it. I mean, as we all know, really as all Rangers year. fans know, by the fact that he missed that wide open net to tie the game down in Tampa and uh, or to tie the game here at MSG in game five. Sorry, you're saying. Yeah. I mean, he was very good last year. He had a very, not very, but he had a strong regular season this year. I only know this because he was on my fantasy team. Um but uh, yeah, disappearing in the playoffs during a deep run is uh, is a tough way to get uh, another contract with the team. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I just, I, man, I just don't, I just don't think it's, yeah, I just don't think it's happening. Um, Jacob Truba makes eight million dollars a year. Yes, he does. Jesus fuck. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, uh, Galant's going to have a couple questions. Really, as long as as long as Igor Shosturkin's there, and uh, you know Mika Kreids, um, Panera needs to do more next year. That's the guy I think I'm most disappointed with in this entire postseason. Is is Artemi Panarin? I mean, uh, look, I I get that obviously it is tougher in the playoffs. I I do, and I. Look, he was tied for first with four other dudes in points on the series with five. Um, he also had a negative four, which I know plus minus we shouldn't be waiting very, very much. But he was literally the only guy. Um, now, nah, Adam Fox had negative two. Um, but I mean, that negative four really sticks out. And his time on ice is a uh, third highest, second highest of, of, of the forwards. And the dude just disappeared for long stretches of 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 this of of the postseason just fucking disappeared. And I, I mean, 
when the offense is struggling so much to get shots on goal, not even goals, just to get shots on goal, and he's still doing the passing shit, still trying to be the selfless pass first, pass first player that he that he he knows and can't change his own game to accommodate what the team needs. I, I mean, I feel like I watched him dozens of times this this especially this past series, but this whole postseason carry the puck in on his own, get himself within 30 feet of the net, being swarmed by all four of like like lightning who who managed to get back fast enough and try to pass it back to nobody because he got in first on the on like a on a breakaway or, or just a carry in while the, the rest of the, the team was changing lines and then would try to pass out to somebody where there was nobody there where if you had managed to get a shot off, even if it got blocked or got um uh, defended by Vasilevsky or whomever. Fuck, at least it gives your 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 teammates time to to come in and try to collect a rebound or something like that. But his passes just kept getting intercepted because there was like never anybody there and they were all through traffic. And it's like, dude, you can't just maybe you can get away with that against shittier teams. You know, maybe you can get away with that against like the Coyotes. But like, you, dude, you can't you can't rely on all these cross-eyed passes. Yeah, well, I mean, like you can't, you can't, you can't rely on all of these cross ice passes, all of this fancy fucking puck work against the defending champs who have you defend mobbed, mobbed. Be selfish. Like if you're not going to change, if you are Tammy Panarin, you are one of our highest paid players, and you're one of the guys that we brought in to be a leader of this team. If you cannot adjust your game to help elevate the team around you, what the fuck are you doing? Genuinely, what the fuck are you doing? I don't have an answer for you. I don't. It's massively infuriating. So he, he, the Rangers, I fully expect to engage in an arms race this off season. Um, they currently heading into 2023 season are 19th in payroll. So I would very much so expect that to increase. Um, they have less payroll right now than the Winnipeg jets. That's hilarious. Um, Oh, that's cap space. I have it sorted incorrectly. My mistake. Hold on. Wow, the Golden Knights have negative $2.3 million in cap space. That's funny. Gerard Gallant uh, got out uh, when the time was right. Got fired, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the Rangers have the 14th most cap space remaining. So yeah, there you go. I still expect that number to increase or decrease, whatever. Um. But yeah, when they make it back to the postseason, as I would expect them to do, uh, Panarin uh, is a guy I really need to make strides forward. Happy with, uh, with how a lot of the guys played. Philip Hedel became a star. Andre Miller was great. Jacob Trouba left so much to be desired. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, and it's like it's one thing. It's one thing if you're pulling a Corey Perry, which is like you suck, but you are also being good at the sport right now. Like. You're, you're, you're getting your assists. You're getting your, your, the your, Tom your Wilson goals. Role. Yeah. Even Tom Wilson Good player, but a dirty, uh, dirty asshole. Right. It's like Truba is letting, he's not even defending well for a lot of it. He's getting a lot of block shots in. That was very helpful, but I mean like that, that was it. it block shots and throwing elbows around willy nilly. It's not going to exactly endear you to the fan base. Anybody can block a shot. You just got to kind of lay down. But Truth. 
I say that like it's super easy to just eat an 85 mile an hour wrister. <laughs> also true. Um, I have two fun stats here that I want to bring up before we move on. Lay it on me. Uh, Corey Perry becomes the second player in NHL history to reach the Stanley Cup final in three consecutive seasons with a different franchise each time. Yeah, so this year it's the Lightning. Last year it was with the Stars, and the year before that was with St. Louis? I would imagine. I honestly don't remember who he was with. I don't know where he got traded to from the Ducks initially. Uh, Hold on. I've got it up. Yeah, so... uh, Oh no! No, sorry. Last Canadians. year was Montreal. Last year was Montreal. The year yeah. before that, it was Dallas. Wow, I completely forgot. I completely forgot about last season being Montreal. That that season is gone from my memory. Yeah, and from everyone's wow. memory in Montreal. Yeah, I. Yeah, wow. I mean, I was obviously rooting for the Lightning that series because I wouldn't want Montreal to win it, but I have zero recollection about that being the team. Um, wow. Okay. And in tandem to that, Patrick Maroon has now won 15 playoff series in a row. Four in 2019, four in 2020, four in 2021, three in 2022. Yeah, because he was on the uh, the uh, Blues when they won just before the Lightning started their run. So either Pat Maroon's going to win four in a row, or Corey Perry's going to lose three in a row. And I think I'd rather see Corey Perry lose three in a row. Even oh, though I'm, I'm, I'm definitely rooting against the Lightning, but oh, I'm actively rooting for the Avalanche. But yeah. just in regard to those two players, I'd much rather see Corey Perry lose four in a row, three in a row. Yeah, I'd, I'd much rather Corey Perry just go fuck himself. Although he does already have a Stanley Cup win, so I guess that's you know, yeah. can't take that away from him. But I can, it can, it can at least hurt here at the end of his career. I would like him to hurt. Uh, yeah, so this would Four-time be the champion longest... Patrick Maroon, though, would be outrageous. That's absolutely hilarious. Fourth consecutive time champion. So that would be the first time it's happened, uh, or the, the these this stretch of three in a row, I guess I should say, would be the first time that it really happened since the New York Islanders won four in a row back in 1980. Um, there's been a couple close calls, um, in regards to consecutive multiple consecutive championship wins uh, or a, a third, I guess, attempt. Um, for example, Pittsburgh won back to back in 2016, 2017, but they did not make it in the following year. Um, the Blackhawks we won three in like six had, seasons. We had three appearances in a row, but we lost the first one. Yeah. Um, was it? No, that wasn't that stretch. It was an earlier stretch. I was going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. yeah, I'm getting there. Um, you know, that was no oh, 09. No, no, because you appeared in 08 and lost, and then you uh won in 09, but oh, you appear in 07 or, or 2010. Yeah, memory is hard. That's why I'm looking at a list. If you just shut the fuck up, <laughs> touche. Yeah, uh, the Red Wings won back to back in 97 98, didn't appear the following year. Um, the Penguins won. Also back-to-backs in 91 and 92, but didn't appear again in the following year. Uh, Edmonton won back-to-backs twice in 87, 88, didn't appear the following year. 84, 85 did not appear the following year. 
So this is the first time we will have even a, a third trip to the cup in a row since the Islanders uh, four straight, well, really five straight appearances because the Islanders made it a fifth year in a row and then lost to Edmonton at the start of uh, the Gretzky era. But yeah, I mean, that long has felt like a thing that can't be broken uh, as well as a, a shift in, you know, kind of like the eras of NHL hockey, because before the Islanders won four in a row, the Montreal Canadiens had won four in a row uh, from 76 to 79, got unseated by the Islanders who won four in a row, but then got unseated by the Oilers who won four out of five. And what a actually, funnier, fun dynasty for hockey. Those would have been the Oilers won uh, five out of seven um, missed one there. <laughs> Sorry, Edmonton. Yeah. Oh, just fucking stupid. Um, do you, th- if the lightning do this, I mean, already going a third time in a row hasn't happened to a major sports franchise since the Yankees, 98 to 01. Golden, did Golden State go to four in a row? Ooh. I'm trying to even think three in a row. Looking them up. Um, 2022, 2019, 2018, 20, they went one, two, three, four, five years in a row. Yeah, they 2015 did 2015 to 2019. 16, yeah. And then they're there again this year. You know what? Yeah. They're there so much. I kind of forget. They keep going. They've had quite the dynasty. Steph Curry yeah, is a and good then basketball player. Before that, the heat had gone one, two, three, four years in a row. And before that, the Lakers had gone one, two, three years in a row. Yeah, basketball is different. Yeah, basketball. This is stupid. It's the same like six teams just over and over and over again. Why do people like this? LeBron James. I mean, we're getting even before LeBron James territory. This is just fucking. All right. So either the Spurs or Lakers made the um, I don't know which, I guess, West Coast. Uh, ver- side of the NBA uh, made the finals um, every year from 1999 to 2005. It was either the Lakers or the Spurs. How is that fun? Actually, if you go even farther, every year from 1999 to 2007 was either the Lakers or the Spurs, except for one single year. Oh, sorry, from t- 2010. Wow. Okay. So either the Lakers or Spurs went every year from 1999 to 2010, except for 2006 when it was the Mavericks. Every year from 99 to 2010 was the Lakers or the Spurs. How is that fun? I I don't know. That sucks. Yeah, it's literally either Greg Popovich, Phil Jackson, pick one. Uh, Greg Popovich. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Uh, well, anyway, speaking of dynasties, we have one coming to an end here in MLB. It is the farewell tour season for Albert Pujols, who was wrapping up his career with his original team, the St. Louis Cardinals. And Manny Machado has voiced his discontent with how he's being treated on the way out. And uh, he's absolutely fucking right. He's absolutely right. Uh, Manny Machado has pointed out that it seems like there's a real lack of fanfare around the fact that this is Albert Pujols' final season. And given the fanfare we've seen 
especially from some very recent like Yankee player retirements like Mariano Rivera and Derek Jeter. Um, it's weird. It's super weird that Albert isn't getting one. And as someone who is a big fan of Albert Pujols and has you know paid a lot of attention to him in his l- latter years to you know make just I like checking to see what milestones he hits on the way out and trying to soak up as as much of um, his playing time that he has left. I, I I find myself constantly forgetting this is a farewell tour because he's right, Manny, which I was right. There's not a lot of fanfare around this. It's very strange. Uh, do you, do you have any ideas about why there wouldn't be? Is he coming back? Is he going to say fuck it and come back? That's the only otherwise, thing. Sorry, go ahead. He's the best player, you know, the best hitter of, I don't want to say his generation, but of a very significant period of time in baseball. Oh, he's got to be one of the best hitters of his generation. He's got a, he's got a hundred war. You know, know what I'm saying? Like, oh, no, no, like, no, no. I would agree I with you. If you said of, that, I would agree I don't want to say like, oh, Albert Pujols is the best player hands down of his generation. I don't Top three. Start that argument. Let, right. Let's just like, make easily. it easy. Yeah. What are we doing? Derek Jeter got one. That's the only thing I could think is maybe he, there's been a lack of definity from him and teams don't want to have a premature farewell tour. But honestly, even if that was the reason, that seems like splitting hairs. Like, all right, so you give Albert Pujols a farewell tour. You give him a, a first base at every stadium he goes to, or you give him a, a collection of, uh, of, of bats or something like that. You know, like goofy shit, like teams would give goofy shit. Yeah. Jersey signed by the team, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, and then he doesn't retire. Oh, no. Just don't do anything for him the next year. That's okay. Oh, oh no. You celebrated Albert Pujols too much. You celebrate one of the few hundred war players to ever exist in MLB a little bit too much. Oh, no. How horrible. Is he actually back over... Uh... I'm going to just keep referring him to uh, to him as that because I think he deserves it. He does, yeah. Baseball reference should change the formula to make sure he has 100 more. There should be a pool hole adjuster. It's 99.5. It's going down still. He's at negative 0.1 for the year. But his OPS is, is 104, which is the highest his OPS plus has been since 2016. That's gross. But yes, 104. He's an above average hitter. Just not an above average anything else. Hitter. Just not an above average anything else. Uh, let's see. This season he has made um, 26 appearances at DH and four appearances at first base. So he's probably losing some run, some um, value from his running, is, would be my guess. Base running. It's the only thing he's going to have any significant. Um, time being he also has one caught stealing that's fucking hilarious oh albert do you remember that play that was uh that was something oh albert yeah plus he grinds into a bunch of double plays i'm sure that doesn't help him i can imagine the all-time mlb leader and grounded into double plays 416 jesus really all-time mlb leader 416. Albert Pujols has not led in any statistical category except for ground grounded into double plays since 2010. 
That's kind of wild. Albert Pujols never led in a single offensive category in any way except double plays for the entirety of his time uh, after he left St. Louis. I want to do a war breakdown for his contracts in St. Louis versus his contract that he got with the Angels. He never didn't have MVP votes with St. Louis. He had it was so good in St. Louis. He had only one year where he finished outside of the top five, and that includes his rookie season. Fucking insane. I know. God damn. Um, how hard would that be to do? Should we do that at a different? Yeah, it's a whole other episode. But man, it's fucking okay. nuts. Oh my god, it's so stupid. And then, and with the Angels, he only had two seasons with a single MVP vote, finishing seventeenth twice. Jesus. Yeah, just crazy shit. Anywho, uh, yeah, it's strange, and I don't really get what the point of it is. Because honestly, if I was the Cardinals, I think I'd be mad too. If I was the Cardinals, I think I'd be making more of an effort. Not for you to do stuff, but if you know, if I'm whoever the fuck the owner or GM of the Cardinals is, I know neither name. I would be calling teams up and being like, look, this is going to be Albert's last year. Like he told us it was going to be his last year. If he comes back, he comes back. But let's act like this is his last year and, you know, do him right. Like he's one of the most beloved people in base. It's not like he's a uh, like a fucking uh, uh, Roger Clemens kind of guy where it's like a lot of people don't like you. Like you're kind of a dick. Steroids aside, you seem like an asshole. Like Albert Pujols is one of the most beloved people in the game right now. Absolutely. Everyone loves Albert. I love Albert. You can't have a name like Albert there's, and not be delightful. There's no team in MLB that I dislike more than, uh, well, other than the Dodgers and the Cardinals. And even I love Albert Pujols. It's like, how can you fucking not, man? Like, he seems like such a fucking charmer. And so I don't think it'd be hard for the Cardinals to get other teams behind them on being like, let's show them a nice time. And it's like, could they be doing stuff that we don't see? Yeah, they could. But at the same time, like, I remember Mariano's farewell tour. It was huge. Mm -hmm. A team handed gave him a rocking chair made out of bats he had broken. Which is unbelievable. Also, how do you get that? How do you how do you source all those? No clue. They could have just broken them themselves and then said, you did this. Yeah. There you go. Good no. Yeah. Um, but like regardless, like, like we've seen it. There's there's so many videos of, of these little tributes. And we're not talking about like a friendly down on their luck team that had a bunch of really great players for a long time. We're talking about the New York Yankees, full stop, already one of the most hated teams in sports. And then we're talking about players who who you know were were uh foundations of the Yankees dynasties like the best most annoying time to be uh, uh, having to play the Yankees and even those players got good recognition on their way out not all of them you know Pettit and and uh, and uh, Jorge didn't get like huge big things but you know Mm -hmm. I wouldn't put them in the same caliber as Albert Pujols whereas Albert Pujols is absolutely on the same caliber as Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera uh, I would say he's in a category with Mariano Rivera. I think he's a tier above Derek Jeter. I would actually switch those around. Because Mariano Rivera is full stop the greatest closer of all time. Right. 
And I don't think Albert Pujols is the greatest first baseman or DH of all time. I think... I think Mariano would be better than Albert Pujols from a positional standpoint. Uh, I, I mean, I can't disagree with that, but I think they would be in three individual tiers then. I don't, I don't think Pujols shares a tier with Derek Jeter. Um... That's tough. So I know this is a lot of dead air, but this is a really good question. Yeah. Oh man, that's actually a really good question. All right. Well, let's 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 walk through this a, a little bit. All right. So in twenty years, Derek Jeter has seventy one point three WAR. Yes. In twenty two years, Albert Pujols has ninety nine point five even though I don't know if he's had positive war in five years. Yes. However, I would point to Derek Jeter having a career offensive war of 96.3 in that time. He's really being hampered by his bad defense, whereas Albert Pujols has 85.6 offensive war in his seasons and never got dragged down for bad defense because he played uh, positions that didn't get in, uh, too harshly uh, wouldn't offer the accumulation of negative defense and DH significantly. We're not talking offensive players. We're talking players. Well, I know, but that's the, that's the thing is because just because you're getting defense, dragged down by get, one aspect. Well, no, right, that's what but, I'm, but if we're looking at war as the reason, that's what I'm saying. Like Jeter played defense and lost war because of it. But Albert Pujols didn't play defense, so it'd be more fair to look at them as offensive players, where they are more comparable in that respect, from a value standpoint. I don't know. I think bad defense is just as bad, if not worse, than playing no defense, or not a defense-centric position. Regardless, see, I'm going. I'm really going back and forth on this, also because I, I'm pretty sure you're right. I'm just trying to find what the argument. Because if it was me, Jeter's defense is bad. His offense is largely very good, and his offense was good for longer than Pujols's was. But Pujols's peak is so much higher as right. an offensive player, and. The fact that he didn't play defense obviously doesn't weigh down his war in the same way that it so adversely affects Jeter's, but that's also not his problem necessarily. I mean, Derek Jeter has three seasons where he finished top five in MVP. Pujols has three MVPs and nine seasons where he finished top five. Right. However, Jeter also only has seasons. Jeter only has three seasons below a 100 OPS plus, um, whereas Albert Pujols, that's like the entire third part of his career. But he also opened his career with um, 15 straight seasons with an OPS plus above uh, 110. Yeah, no, no, I know. That's That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to decide though if this puts them in different classes of player, but 20 war on the stat sheet really should. I, th- I think if you look at the fact that Albert Pujols is 
genuinely on the Mount Rushmore of all-time hitters, you can't put Derek Jeter into that category. But at the same time, only way for Albert Pujols to beat Jeter in Hall of Fame voting, which we can use as a placeholder for kind of like how we view the historical figures of our game would be for Albert Pujols to be unanimous. No, we can't. We can't chalk that up to fucking asshole writers. There's been one unanimous player in Babe Ruth, Luke Gehrig, Ted Williams were not unanimous Hall of Famers. We can't put it up to the writers. The writers that, I, fucking I do suck. actually get though. Just putting that out there. I do get why those four guys weren't unanimous. Yeah, but if you put them in now, of course oh, he, they're gonna be unanimous. Right. Yeah. The issue was that they were horribly, horribly backlogged and everyone was getting votes. Um there are 31 players in MLB history with a hundred or more war. If we look at who number Sorry, player number not, before we move on, is, could you see a world where Albert Pujols is not a unanimous Hall of Famer? Oh, of course he's not going to be unanimous. There's going to be some fucking asshole. But that's the thing is like we're at the point where we have such an understanding of who players are and how that impact will be viewed long term. Like there's a there's a real argument to be made that if you were voting for the Hall of Fame in uh 1976 that like maybe you just like we don't really know how um how to view what anybody really accomplished you know we have slash line like we, we know a player slash we know their home run totals but like it, there was such a bad interpretation of like really when people were looking at a player's slash line they were not they were looking at a player's batting average you know mm-hmm. And when they were looking at home runs, they, they look at home runs, but they wouldn't look at stuff like necessarily necessarily doubles and how that would affect what, you know, slugging, which which they had in 1976 or, you know, pick a year in that area. So there might not have been a good perspective on how to view players that um, you know, were huge, huge players for their generation, but, but maybe didn't get the kind of recognition that they would necessarily deserve because there wasn't a good way to understand their contribution and to be able to preserve that for the long term. Whereas we have that now. And again, I don't know why you wouldn't vote for Albert Pujols. I don't know why you would have a ballot when Pujols is on the ballot in 2027. I don't know why he wouldn't get every single vote. I don't know why he wouldn't be on a ballot. He has no steroids rumors, like none at all. Uh, obviously, he had a tough last half of his career, but his first half is, I mean, ridiculous. And if Sandy Koufax can get in on a good seven-year stretch, that all of us should be able to. So I I couldn't form a, a single reason why Albert Pujols shouldn't be unanimous, but I still also feel like he won't be. Can we have an episode where we rank the top 10 players the 2000s, 2000 to 2010? Because I would love to see how it's broken breaks down we could also do 2010 to 2020 since 2010s are over we have to keep remembering that we could yeah yeah be a fun series it would would only be those two because i don't know any players from the 90s we could just keep working our way backwards we could start 2010s and go backwards uh yeah but like at that at that point (laughs) we're just picking in order of war absolutely we are because we don't know yeah it would be fun to just talk about but yeah, I think we do that. Let's do that soon before we forget. 
most war in the fewest seasons has to be um, Kid Nichols, who has 116.3 war in 15 seasons. Wow. Yeah, he played from 1890 to 1906, so he's like barely a real person. Um, all right, so really what's more impressive then is Lou Gehrig's 113.6 war in 17 seasons. That is, that is very true. Or Mickey Mantle's 110.2 war in 18 seasons. Damn, there's some real fucking lunatics on this list. Jesus Christ. How many seasons has Trout played? Um, he has played 12. Hmm. Trout is just about to pass Joe DiMaggio in war. That's impressive. The people above Joe DiMaggio, I'm keep looking for a name I don't know, and I keep not finding one. Uh, so Mike Trout's currently tied for 66th in, in war with Joey D. Above him is Kurt Schilling, Pete Rose, Jeff Bagwell, Tom Glavin, Rod Carew, Nolan Ryan, Mike Messina, John Clarkson, Ken Griffey Jr., Pedro Martinez, Fergie Jenkins, like, uh, and then Roger Connor. I don't know offhand. Um, but like, man, everyone he is about to pass in his career, like everyone is a name. Oh yeah, Roger Connor played from 1880 to 1897. I have no idea who you are. <laughs> Career OPS plus of 153. Jesus Christ. He played for the Troy Trojans, the New York Gothams, the New York Giants, um, the Phil- oh, the Philadelphia-, Philadelphia Phillies, okay, and the St. Louis Browns. Yeah. That's fucking funny. Very damn. That's very fucking funny. Um. Yeah. So I. God, he's so good. Hopefully, the league steps up after the All Star break. Honestly, like the league should do something for Albert Pujols in the All Star. Actually, the league did stuff for for CC on his way out too. I didn't even think about that. And CC got to go. Like, had to have a part in the All Star game. Um, I forget what his like unofficial role was in the All Star game, but they they sent him to the All Star game to you know. To get him some additional recognition in his farewell tour as well. I completely forgot CC had the farewell tour. It was so recent too. Um, yeah, there's really no reason for Pujols not to have one. That's just so fucking strange. Um, so hopefully, I, it, we see some some of that ramp up after the All Star break, and it would be great if um, MLB could do something for Albert at the All Star break so that he kind of gets a little bit of the. Uh, um, like a boost in everyone's mind of like, Hey, he's leaving now or never folks. But uh, I guess we'll see. So another controversy that is very confusing to understand. Tony Larissa decided to walk Trey Turner the other day in the game against the Dodgers on a one, two count. I really don't know what else to say about that. Because fuck, man, what do you say about that? Is it actually like a hard thing to understand when it's just, oh, yeah, no, Tony La Russa did it. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought you're being a dick because Tony Tony La Russa said basically the same thing. He was like, are people apparently Tony La Russa was surprised people didn't agree with him, which is. Well, yeah, old, old white man thinks he's right and everyone else wrong. How could anyone disagree with him? I'm a fucking genius. What are you talking about? 
I've actually never heard Tony LaRusso talk. No, that's not true. I just don't know what his voice is. Um, I, I, I mean, look, look, there is uh, arguments to be made in regards to batting splits, uh, a lefty righty situation, you know, um, like a, a more granular analysis of the breakdown of player to player matchups, uh, fucking what does this batter hit versus what does this pitcher throw? All what stadium are they in? All, we could start talking about the fucking weather, but honestly, if we're all the way in a one two count, I'm not sure it matters really at oh that point. God, and we've talked about this, you and I, uh, quite a bit on the show before. Mm-hmm. At that point, when you hit two strikes and fewer than two balls. When that count is there, no player is especially good. N- none of them. Obviously, players still hit home runs in that count, get on base, all that type of stuff. Most players aren't doing it, though. It's it's not a favorable count to be in, obviously. It's just... I think if you took a survey of every pitcher in baseball whether or not they would want to face a top-tier hitter in an OO count or a 1-2 count, would there be anyone that says OO? Are you trying to say that again? Like, if you if you surveyed all of the pitchers in baseball saying, hey, uh, pitchers. Right. you are up against one of the top-tier batters, would you rather face them in an OO count? for an entire at-bat or start with a one-two count? That's the thing. I don't even think you'd have to even add the qualifier, one of the best hitters. Literally, if you said to a pitcher, hey, would you rather start with a clean slate in in an account or come into a batter in a one-two count? Every pitcher's picking the the one-two count for every batter. It could be some some fucking schmuck. No pitcher. No pitcher is going to want to start with a clean count. If you're going to handicap them two strikes, why would you? Two strikes, because every pitcher should should feel like, I've got to put away pitch. I've got one. If you don't, you shouldn't be pitching in baseball or MLB. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that type of belief in yourself is, is, is integral to being uh, a professional athlete. And we're not even talking a severe amount of belief in oneself. I, I mean, because it raises the question, why did you even let him pitch to Trey Turner in the first place? Yeah. If you were so scared of him getting a hit, intentionally walk him to start. Now, it happened uh, because the one ball was a wild pitch. So Freeman moved to second. So the idea here being that now there's a man on second uh, who could potentially see the signs because the White Sox are one of the few teams, I believe, who don't use pitchcom. If they do use pitchcom or if this particular p- pitcher uses pitchcom, Bennett Sousa, which we haven't really talked about pitchcom on the show, which we might want to at some point. Um, but if they're not using it, if, if they are using it, then this really makes no fucking sense. Um, if they're not using it, then it still doesn't make much fucking sense 
because you had a guy in a one to count. Now, Bennett Sousa is a left-handed pitcher. Uh, his stats this year versus right-handed batters, he has allowed an OPS of 731. Against left-handed batters, he's allowed an OPS of 982. I'm going to say that again. He's a left-handed pitcher who has only... Um, only actually, no, it's pretty evenly split. I take that back. Third, 42, 49 uh, uh, plate appearances for right handed batters, 41 plate appearances for left handed batters. He's getting mauled by left handed batting. Mauled. 731 against righties, 982 against lefties. Trey Turner, who was already up, is a righty. So for Bennett Miller's stats, it would have made more sense for him to stay in stay up against Trey Turner, who is batting worse against lefties this year by a smidge than he is against righties. 821 OPS versus 820. Mm -hmm. Basically dead even. Uh, And he brought in instead Max Muncy, who is batting worse against left-handed batting. He's a 650 OPS against uh, right-handed pitching and a uh, 524 OPS against left-handed pitching. So he's definitely batting worse against lefties. But again, it raises the point of why even have Trey Turner batting in the first place? For what? Uh, I don't know. I can't explain Tony LaRusso in any just seemingly possible category. Um, I am looking over Trey Turner's stats, and it's it's wild to me that he's only been an all-star once in his career. Um, Short stuff. Yeah, I know. But he has some crazy numbers. Two top sevens in MVP voting, runner-up to rookie of the year, who went to uh, Corey Seager. Oh, that's he replaced. Right. That's kind of funny. Um, granted, Corey Seager had a fucking monster year that year. He almost won MVP, didn't he? Uh, I have to imagine. 100% vote share. Third in MVP. Yeah, there you go. That'll, that'll fucking do it. Yes, it will. Um, I don't know. Tony Russo, I think we can both agree, seeing as we've agreed with this since the day he was hired, uh, needs to be gone. Yeah, there's just one other thing I want to look at. Um, bear with me, folks. Aha. All right. I got it. Okay. League OPS on the first pitch of an at bat is tremendous. 908. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like, damn. I'm actually shocked it's that high. That's huge. 908, which all of it is obviously hitting. You don't walk on the first pitch of the at bat. So, yeah, 908. League OPS in a one two count is 415. Oh, buddy. Half. Half. So that That's makes insane. this, yeah. So that makes what I'm about to say, um, probably a little bit uh, colors it a little bit more because it doesn't seem that bad. So Trey Turner 
in a one-two count is has an OPS of 571, and Max Muncy on a, on the first pitch has an OPS of 556. They're actually relatively the same. In fact, Trey Turner's OPS is better on a one-two count than Muncy's is on the first pitch, which I think is a little bit too granular because uh, they they'd only have so many you know plate appearances relative to what is a more standard league-wide phenomenon. And so in that respect, and there's also no way Tony LaRusso has that information. That right. And it's also way too granular. And I and understand it's way too granular, which is why I would rather look at the league number to get a better understanding of it. Even then, just to paint again, to paint the fucking picture, do, fucking you, fuck. Why would you do that? And you know what? The lowest OPS is it? Everyone's OPS, league wide OPS is over 800 for every single count that is not two strike counts. The only OPSs you'll find, league OPS, below 800 you'll find, is when there are two strikes. That's it. If there's fewer than two strikes, everybody's over 800. Most of them are over 900. If you, are, if you have two strikes, it's, it's such a huge advantage. Such a huge advantage. Even the full count OPS is lower than the first pitch OPS. That's how favorable it is to have two strikes. It's such a significant advantage. I feel like the only thing more favorable than having two strikes is to have three. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, Tony LaRusso, you are just a special, special guy that I can't You are for. a garbage man. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. I hope he gets a league-wide uh, farewell tour where he is just pelted with tomatoes from the grandstands. Only tomatoes. I was hoping for feces. Let's show some respect to the sport. Okay. We don't want Aaron judge slipping on a turd going for a fly ball. No, but that would be funny. I, I think I can, I think I can admit that would be absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Aaron judge eats shit on shit. Quite literally. I'll fill that gap. <laughs> oh God. Cool. Um, all right, just to burn through a couple other things real quick. Um, to Renfro signed a two-year, $32 million extension. Yeah, seems worth it. Uh, here's a fun stat for you. 2021, Hunter Renfro, 1,038 yards, nine touchdowns, $34.5 million over the next three years. Christian Kirk's 2021. 982 yards, five touchdowns, 79.5 million over the next four years. So there you go on that. That's, I know it's just beating a dead horse at this point, but what a fucking disgusting contract. I forgot about that contract entirely. So I, bad. Wow. Yeah. No, that completely left my mind. That's I love funny. Hunter Renfro, though. I think he's about as solid he's a lunch pail kind of guy you know comes in does the work real workout warrior um he is white (laughs) um in baseball news there's a a new top dog from when we last spoke about war leaderboards it is no longer manny machado he is now third the new war leader is sandy alcantara and tommy edmund who each have 3.6 3.6 war so far uh, in the first half of the season and are on a ridiculous pace. Samuel Alcantara uh, has the most innings pitched in all of MLB, therefore the most batters faced, and he has uh, tied for the most complete games. 
Additionally, he has a 1.61 ERA um, and 77 strikeouts to start off the season for the Miami Marlins. It's been a ridiculous year. Yeah, Tommy Edmund. Yes, Tommy Edmund is leading uh, the National League in stolen bases and otherwise has himself a very tidy 126 OPS plus. But he was really standing out on defense where he's playing immaculate second and third base defense for uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. And between his good base running, his strong hitting, uh, he has a slash line of 278, 357 and 419. Um, He has put together himself quite the year and has been enough to rocket himself over Manny Machado, which just feels ridiculous um, on the war leaderboard. So shout out to those two guys. How imagine how good your defense has to be. Like Manny Machado has an OPS plus this season of 168 and has a positive D war. I can't imagine how fucking good your defense has to be to make up over 40 points of OPS plus. I don't know. I like, can't I, I, like I'm amazed that you can overcome that with purely defense. What else could it be though, right? Like it's got to be Machado just defense. Is, Manny Machado is an Excellent defender. Platinum glove. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. Uh, behind I Machado. Know, I don't know enough about playing defense on base in baseball to know how one could be that significantly better. It's got to be range. Who knows? Uh, after Manny Machado is Aaron Judge at four and Mike Trout at five. So the three through uh, five is... The race, I think we expected some unexpected presences there at the top. Uh, rounding out just our little speed round here at the end, we have two owners in two sports getting sued by their families. Um, Corn, you want to start with the Spanos one? Yeah. Uh, Chargers owner Dean Spanos is being sued by his sister, D Spanos, which is just Dean without the N, which is preposterous for alleged misogynistic behavior and repeated breaches of fiduciary duty uh lawsuit was filed in california calls for him to be removed as co-trustee don't have the actual details um the only additional information is that d spanos claims her loss in her lawsuit that her brothers dean and michael spanos believe to their cores that regardless of what their parents intended and their wills specified Men are in charge and women should shut up. So par for the course amongst NFL owners. Just another is, reason to man, tear them down. Every every time you hear another thing, it's like, oh, it's, it's like oh, I forget how how much you guys fucking blow. And then mm-hmm. they do something, you're like, ah, yeah, there it is. I forgot. Like that's still wild to hear. But I like I'm not surprised, but it is a reminder. I I guess I keep needing about how much you all blow. Um, on the other side of things in baseball, uh, John Angelos has been accused by his brother, Lou of seizing control of the Baltimore Orioles. So, uh, last week, Baltimore Orioles CEO, John Angelos was accused in a lawsuit of seizing control of the team at the expense of his brother, Lou, and in defiance of their father, Peter's wishes, Peter Angelos became the Orioles owner in 1993, but his public role has been diminished. Apparently, John Angelos is working as the club's chairman and CEO, while Peter and Lou are listed on the team's website as part of its limited ownership group. So uh, that's where Lou believes that he is um, owner and is apparently accusing um, John is accusing Lou of um, taking control of their father's estate against his wishes. 
So really just rich people squabbles. I'm not sure would really change anything. I think when your net worth is over X amount of dollars, anytime you sue another person worth X amount of dollars, um, civil court should just be taken out of the equation. I want to see gladiator type fights. I want those two old fat men to get into a ring with spears and, and pikes and just go after each other. Um, yeah, at, at that point, it's like, I don't even, you're going to fight for that much money, earn it, you know? So, uh, Peter Angelos's net worth, I have at $2 billion. Um, of course his son, John's net worth, I have at $2 billion and his other son Lou's net worth. I also have as $2 billion. So everyone's what net worth here is $2 billion. Uh, which really just sounds like you think it's all no the same two billion dollars. I think it's the same two billion dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I vote that we do a split it in half, like uh, cut the baby in half kind of thing, with half of it going to publicly funded uh, <laughs> resources and the other half going to Baltimore Orioles payroll, and we'll just let them duke it out from there. <laughs> so all of a sudden, the Baltimore Orioles payroll jumps to one billion dollars, and the MLB you know just has is incapable of calculating the luxury tax. So it's just fuck it. You want to spend a billion dollars, spend a billion dollars. That's an episode for us. What we, does the one billion dollar payroll look like? Do you have a piece of paper? Can you write this stuff down? I'm a grown man. How do I not have paper? <laughs> All right. I got paper. I have no pen. Uh, I'm an adult with a desk. How do I don't have a pen? I'm sitting on a couch, so I, I have more excuses. All right. I'm just going to send myself an email. <laughs> <laughs> Top 10 players of the decade, billion dollar payroll, and whatever I texted you like a month ago that we immediately forgot about. Even oh, though I was shit. absolutely forgot about that. Very in depth on. Oh, it was a uh, relegation, right? Oh, yeah. What a great idea. Good job, Corwin. All right. All right. We'll keep all those things in mind for later. Okay. All right. In that case, I think that's our full roundup. Um, yeah. Corey and I have got to get jumping and bumping, but uh, we, yeah, that that's it. Next episode, we'll probably talk about all-star voting, which has officially opened. Um, so we'll get into that for our next one to see, you know, kind of where we stand or where the league stands, I should say, in terms of, um, how the various positional players have shaped up and who we would potentially theoretically vote for, for the pitchers pitcher voting, obviously not open to the public. It is decided by managers and teams, but you know, regardless. Um, so stay tuned for that next week. In the meantime, if you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at juicing pod. If you'd like to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D Tracy. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at juicing the numbers at gmail.com. And until Thursday, Y'all have a good one. Bye.